This conversation on COVID-19 is made possible by Discovery. Welcome to Inside COVID-19. I'm Jackie Cameron for Biz News. In this episode of Inside COVID-19, we have exciting news from our sponsors at Discovery, with the Discovery Vitality Program announcing measures that will provide a much-needed boost to the tourism, travel and hospitality sectors, and will also lift the spirits of people who have been looking forward to exploring the world, enjoying nature and generally getting out to have fun. Also coming up in this episode... Cape Town-based aerospace entrepreneur Robert Miller has been working with two South African medical experts on an interesting hypothesis about why South Africa's deaths from COVID-19 have not been as bad as initially feared. The work has been published in a British medical journal and international scientists have been testing their ideas on mice. In a nutshell, the three believe that vitamin B and zinc could hold the clue to staving off the worst of the COVID-19 symptoms. First, the COVID-19 headlines. Inside COVID-19 from Biz News. The world is heading towards 50 million people testing positive for COVID-19, with the Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Center showing just under 49 million cases as of Friday the 6th of November. Hardest hit is the United States with just under 10 million cases. South Africa is number 13 on the list of countries with the highest reported incidence of COVID-19 with just under 750,000 cases reported to the government. About 235,000 people have died in the U.S. of COVID-19. Just under 162,000 people have died in Brazil, and 125,000 people in India have lost their lives from COVID-19. As of the start of the weekend, 19,677 people were listed as having died of the coronavirus in South Africa. Turning to world headlines, Russia for the first time reported more than 20,000 COVID-19 cases in the last day as a surge in regions is overwhelming local hospitals. The US became the first country to top 100,000 cases in one day. In Asia, Japan recorded over 1,000 coronavirus infections on Thursday, the highest level the country has seen since August. South Korea reported 145 new coronavirus cases in 24 hours, which is the biggest gain in two weeks. China will temporarily halt entry by non-Chinese nationals who are in Russia and India after doing so for those in the UK and Belgium. A small study has found that a nasal spray protects ferrets from absorbing the coronavirus. That's according to the New York Times. The study was released on Thursday by an international team of scientists and has not been peer-reviewed. The spray, which has only been tested on animals, contains a lipopeptide that attacks the virus directly, preventing it from attaching to lung cells. The work has been underway by scientists from Columbia University in New York, Erasmus Medical Center in the Netherlands, Cornell University and the University of Campania in Italy. The study was funded by the National Institutes of Health and the Columbia University Medical Center. Malaysia's new cases have topped 1,000 for three straight days this week. The country has been struggling to contain a resurgence of coronavirus infections that emerged in late September after local elections in the eastern state of Sabah. The government has tightened curbs on movement across several states. 
the UK has removed Denmark from its travel corridor list. Australia's Victoria State, which ended a three-month lockdown in its capital Melbourne last week, has recorded a seventh straight day with no coronavirus cases. France posted a record number of new coronavirus cases, 58,046, with the health minister warning of a violent second wave sweeping the country. First, business founder Alec Hogg speaks to Discovery Vitality CEO Dinesh Govinder about important developments that will help to put a spark back into South Africa's tourism, travel and hospitality sectors. Dinesh Govinder is the Chief Executive of Vitality with some good news, Dinesh. As a Discovery member, I've been dying to get back onto an aeroplane to use my miles. At last, it seems as though Comair is coming out of its troubles and we'll be able to fly again. Yes, thanks, Alec. It's great to be on the show. I think it's uh, it's a very, very positive step forward for, uh, for, I think, for the country. I think, you know, on the one hand, from a business perspective, Comair coming out of business rescue, reopening flights for starting 1 December is great. And for Vitality members, it's even more exciting because they've got early access to book all their flights before the general public um, on Kalula.com. Well, it just shows, I guess, that um, good things do happen sometimes, despite what we've been going through in the last few months. How long have you been negotiating this with Comair to to give Discovery members a, an inside track? Um, it wasn't really a negotiation, but more. I mean, we've been partners for for decades now. So, as part of just reopening, I thought you know this is a great way to actually recognise. Uh, the amount of uh, the amount of uh, effort Vitality members put into earning their discounts on their flights. So you know what better way to reward them right now than with the scarcity value of of being able to you know guarantee that they can take their their families on holiday this December. Um, you know at, on on the flights they want at the times they want. Um, so so really it is about you know giving Vitality members everything they need in terms of their massive discounts. So whether it's 35% for Vitality or whether it's 75% because they've also got Discovery Bank, I think that 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 goes without saying. On top of that, being able to just secure the flight you want um, with, you know, very, very good partners of ours, Comair. And, uh, and three, also to get through the airports quicker because we've got these priority lanes for Discovery Bank lines where they can walk through security um, and bypass the snaking uh, maze queue. That's quite a lot of advantages for Discovery Bank clients. And obviously, that has to be quite new, given that the bank hasn't been around that long. Correct. So what, we, what we've done, in addition to the, the discounts we give to Vitality members, as a Discovery Bank member, you do get additional discounts based on, your, on the, the account you have, based on, the, um, based on the, uh, your Vitality money status, because, of course, as you manage your money better – you know, we reward you because we know you're lower risk and a much more attractive client. Um, and and also, how do we give them special treatment in the airports? Uh, and uh, this idea came up before lockdown, but we've actually been building it uh, together with AXA during lockdown, which was creating fast track access for Discovery Bank clients. Now, based on your card color, you also have access to to certain airport lounges, but but the priority track is exclusively for Discovery Bank black card holders and Discovery Bank purple card holders. And then those extra discounts, how did they work? So based on your Vitality uh, health status, so whether you're blue, bronze, um, silver, gold, or, or diamond status on Vitality health, you're able to get 10 
up to 35% discount on immediately upfront on your booking. So if you go into Kaluda.com today as a Vitality member and try and book a flight, you'll see that your, your flight gets discounted by 35% if you're a Diamond Vitality member. If you've got a Discovery Bank account with us, so for example, if you've got a Discovery Bank Black um, uh, Suite account with, uh, with, with, uh, with Discovery Bank, uh, and you manage your money well, so you move up your status all the way to to gold or diamond status. And if you're spending um, at the at the requisite amount, uh, so based on your spend, based on your vitality money status, which is a good indication of how well you manage your finances, and based on your on your credit card uh, or your card account, you will get a boost of up to forty percent, uh, in addition to the thirty five percent discount. So the seventy five percent off your discount. I'll give you an example, Alec. I've I've just made a booking for for December for my family, for, so we could travel safely over this period. And the rest of my family is traveling at a thirty five percent discount because we're as a family we're on uh, Diamond Vitality money, Vitality Health status. I've also got a full suite a Discovery Bank account, and because of that, my I've I've, I've only paid twenty five percent for my my ticket uh, on the flight. Wow. So it really is starting to kick in now that uh, that shared value right across all the platforms, in particular uh, for the bank. But just from Comair's perspective, when are they starting to fly again? So, so Comair has been uh, the the business uh, rescue consortium um, has received uh, approval from the competition commission last week. So it's there, so there's been lots of different hurdles that they need to go through as part of the business rescue process. And uh, one of the big ones was was getting approval for the deal, which happened last week from the Competition Commission. In addition to that, they've been working through all of the other elements. And and as we've seen, business rescue can be quite tricky. And and in many situations, it doesn't end as positively as this one has. Uh, we're very excited about this story. We think it's you know it's great not just for Kame, who are great partners. We think it's great for our members. We think it's great for South Africa in terms of you know businesses uh, sort of rising again uh, through this pandemic, which which is positive. The way, the way it works for, for Comair now is they've started bookings for Vitality members. They'll, uh, they'll open bookings to the general public um, next week, and uh, their, their call center reopens, and uh, they'll resume flights from 1 December, uh, and those will be on all their routes. Um, in I think early next year, they'll reopen Lanseria Airport uh, flight bookings, uh, but from 1 December, all their typical routes will be flown on Kaluda.com. Uh, we expect them to reopen bookings for British Airways uh, local flights as uh, soon as well. What about the other partners, uh, Emirates and Qantas? So you can already book uh, Emirates and uh, and Qantas flights. So we've actually been um, open on the platform for members to book uh, local accommodation, for members to book car hire, and for members to book Emirates and Qantas flights uh, over the past few weeks already. So that that was already in place. Emirates, Emirates is flying right now, so you can make those flight bookings. Uh, in fact, we normally have a, a six-week rule on international flight uh, bookings, which says, you know, this needs to be for holidays. So you need to be planning ahead, book book in six weeks. We've actually taken away that rule right now because people haven't had six weeks to plan uh, for any any flights they want to take in sort of late November, early December. So we're relaxing the rule for our members right now so they can book those Emirates flights. Qantas is only open. because um, You're able to book a Qantas flight but they've only opened up schedules from 1 April next year. So Qantas isn't flying at the moment. Um, British Airways is flying. And, and again, we expect those bookings to reopen in the next one to two weeks. And, and we'll let members know about that when it happens. What about refunds for those 
Vitality members who had booked flights before, um, and you, you talk about booking well ahead for your holidays, who had booked flights before COVID-19 <clears throat> lockdown. Sure. It's, it's been a tough time for the industry and for and, and for members um, and the general public, I'd say, in terms of uh, flight bookings and credits and refunds. Um, I think the developments there have been very positive, Alec. Um, in terms of refunds on international flights, those are progressing. Now that the business rescue uh, process has, has evolved to a space where the airline is reopening, um, they've resourced up. So now we, we've seen the refunds on Emirates, Qantas, and uh, British Airways uh, international tickets coming through. So members are getting those, but we still urge patients. It still takes six to eight weeks typically. Uh, so, so those refunds are coming through, um, but at, a, at an increasing pace. And on local flights, the um, the Kalula and um, and British Airways local flights, uh, Comair's taken a stance around credits. So the good news is members members who had an unused ticket that they booked between March and November this year, uh, those flights were obviously cancelled. Members get full their full rand value as a credit towards flights in 2021. Um, Comair's currently working through the process to actually get those into what they call a travel bank on the Kalula.com uh, platform. Uh, that'll happen in January next year, and once it's ready, and they're, they're estimating it's around the second or third week of January when uh, when this travel bank credit will be available to members with unused tickets. Members will be able to use it the way they use Discovery Miles, the way they use credit cards right now to book a flight. So they'll be able to pay in full, pay in part, um, you know, pay and still have a credit owing to them, all the way up to any flights in November 2021. So those credits are coming through now. Dinesh, just to close off with, obviously, uh, flights are a big part of the benefits or the rewards for Discovery Vitality members. Uh, how, how have you viewed all of this going into business rescue? Have you, has Discovery helped Kame in any way to get back on its feet because of the benefits that members derive? So, so I think it's important that we've been – We've we've been you know I'd like to say we've been supportive partners to to all of the uh, to to all of our partners not just Comair but across all of them in terms of if there were if there were any requirements to market to members uh, to sort of you know keep members um, and and keep the general public sort of informed while while they were going through tough times I think we've helped um, one one of the things that you know if you're in the business sector you would have seen is that as you know sort of as part of the um, as part of the business uh, sort of uh, resuming operations, there's a lot of working capital involved. So one of the things we've done with Comair is we've prepaid for a lot of the uh, a lot of the benefits that our members will receive going into 2021, and uh, and that's just part of the working capital support. But I think you know a lot of the support was just actually staying the course, uh, you know, keeping members engaged and on the Vitality program by doubling other benefits that were relevant, like healthy food and healthy care benefits, uh, keeping members engaged with, with uh, in other ways uh, over this period until the airline was back in the sky. Inside COVID-19 from Biz News. Coming up, Cape Town-based aerospace entrepreneur Robert Miller speaks to Biz News about his medical hypothesis that is attracting attention among global scientists. Mr. Robert Miller, who is the chief executive officer of an aerospace company and also an expert on COVID-19, it seems. You've recently published in a credible journal some interesting research on COVID-19, Robert. Yes, Jackie, thank you. Um, We have. Um, Earlier this year in February, we we recognized there was a pattern to those who were most vulnerable to COVID-19. 
and we published a, a hypothesis at that stage about what led to increased COVID risk. Subsequently, there have been a number of other papers that have come out actually confirming our hypothesis. Most recently, a mouse study that that shows that everything we've been telling people um, was applicable to the mouse study. So let's just take a step back. Before you did this research, you said you were interested in a specific, uh, would you call it a chemical, NAD? So NAD is more of a housekeeping molecule. It's, it's, a, it's a molecule that underline, underlies a huge number of systems in our body. Basically, without it, we die. All mammals have it, and all mammals use it in a similar manner. We've known about it since the late 1900s, but, or the early, sorry, I say the early 1900s, but it's only recently that people have started looking at it again, mainly in the realm of anti-aging, which has tainted it slightly, but there's very, very good research into it that's beyond the realm of anti-aging. So what is NAD? What does it do in our bodies? So its its basic function is um, it drives a redox reaction. Um, you've, you've got the respiratory cycle, which is your main energy cycle, the Krebs cycle. And NAG, NAD is at the heart of that cycle. It also facilitates a lot of other processes, including activations of proteins called sirtuins. Now, we don't know a lot about sirtuins. We've only recently discovered them. All mammals have seven of them, but we do know that they play fundamental roles in controlling things like inflammation, exactly the type of inflammation we see with COVID-19. The thing is, in order for sirtuins to activate and do their magic, you have to consume NAD+. So if your body doesn't have enough NAD+, to begin with, you can't, you can't activate sirtuins sufficiently. And how do we get NAD+. So the primary source of NAD+, is vitamin B3. And apart from the paper, we've actually discovered something quite startling. There was a condition called pellagra that South Africa had and America had years ago, which is basically an NAD deficiency due to an insufficiency of B3 in the diet. Both countries responded once they realized what was going on by fortifying foods like bread and maize. However, if we look at the demographics of the people who are actually ending up in ICU, there's a very, very good chance that pellagra or subclinical pellagra, which is very, very difficult to diagnose, is lurking in our population and is far more prevalent than we actually realized. And that's the ideal condition to set you up for severe COVID symptoms. Do we have a lot of this in our bread, for example? So our breads are all fortified with nicotinic acid, which is a vitamin B3 and an NAD precursor. America, like us, fortifies their grains, but they only fortify their grains at the mills. They don't um, check that grain imported from overseas, which is the most of the grain, is actually fortified. In South Africa, all of our maize meal is fortified with niacin. So pellagra was serious enough that governments actually went on a huge fortification program to try eradicate it. But there's, there's evidence that to, to make us believe we didn't eradicate it, that subclinical pellagra is far more prevalent than we ever realized, especially amongst the vulnerable groups like the people who have type 2 diabetes, obesity, and hypertension, who we know will have the lowest levels of NAD+. So we can't get this from normal food that we eat. We have to have it as a supplement. So we can. The problem is things like stress and oxidative stress and environmental stress in our bodies and our lifestyles and the way we eat a lot of the time drives NAD down to a stage where we can't supplement enough from our food. 
we have to actually supplement extra extra niacin in our diet. And so what happens when we run out? The subclinical pellagra, what does that actually look like? So if you Google pellagra, you see three or four little symptoms that come up. But if you actually Google the full list of symptoms and you compare them, first of all, with the long haulers, uh, which the people who recover from COVID are suffering from, you have things like mental disorders, dementia, rashes, uh, stomach problems. The list is horrific and eventually death. All because of a deficiency in one, one tiny little vitamin. Called B3. And with our paper, initially it was very much of a hypothesis. But then the subsequent papers backed up the link that we had made between NAD and COVID risk. And as I said, most recently, a mouse study has actually said, right, we tested this on mice and everything that these papers are saying panned out. The, the opposition we get is we don't have a human trial. And we're saying to people, okay, but we've also got test groups and we put a protocol, harmless protocol out. And there's probably 2,000, 3,000 people using it worldwide, very successfully to prevent COVID symptoms and to treat post-COVID symptoms. So while the results are anecdotal, When you have that number of people, you can't really just say it's anecdotal. Also, we've had people comment in papers like the South African Medical Journal that what we're saying is based on sound scientific reasoning. So there's actually no scientific rebuttal that anyone has been able to come up with to say we're wrong. So what else do we know about this vitamin? Can it actually reduce obesity? Is there a lower incidence of cancer? What sort of evidence is there that this really does play a role in health Nicotinic acid has been studied to death. Okay, There's lots of theories as to why it's not used more mainstream, ranging from the fact that if you had to produce a bottle of supplement, nicotinic acid supplement, the bottle would cost more than the nicotinic acid itself. There's just no money to be made in it. It also has a tendency to cause a flush in some people, which is um, a feeling of almost being sunburnt. But it, it fades after about 30 minutes and it's not harmful. However, it was used to treat diabetes, it was used to treat hypertension, it was used to treat a host of conditions until more readily available pharmaceutical drugs became available. In your paper, you talk about cytokine storm. Is there any evidence to suggest that this uh, vitamin could reduce that effect? Yes, it's actually been very well studied. So this is where the the sirtuin proteins come in. Now, one of the primary defenses the body uses against inflammation Sirtuin-1, which is the primary defense against inflammation, or the body's primary defense, has been very well documented, especially with the type of inflammation and cytokine storm we see with COVID-19. But in order for your body to activate Sirtuin-1, it has to have enough NAD and zinc. So you need zinc as well as NAD. Yeah. So this is why zinc's always been touted as an immune system booster, more than likely because zinc is a crucial component of Sirtuin activation. And then obesity, how does this fit in with all of it? Why would somebody have a, a shortfall of NAD if they're obese? Hyperglycemic events drive down NAD. Also, an excess of subcutaneous fat has been shown to drive down NAD levels. You'll find that people who are obese who have type and have type 2 diabetes have high levels of CD38, which is an NAD reducer. What is very interesting, though, is if you actually look at the mechanism of obesity, obesity drives down NAD. NAD is required to make ATP, which is your body's energy molecule, almost your fuel. The less NAD you've got, the less ATP you can actually produce. So you have a situation where you're hungry, you um, 
you eat. You don't have enough NAD to convert that food into ATP. So you're still hungry because your body's still hungry for energy, so you eat some more. And it's a vicious, vicious cycle in that you will just keep eating out of desperation because no matter how much you consume, your body is not able to convert it into energy. Fascinating. So people that are, who are overweight, they can't necessarily help it. This is a very heavily debated subject. But if you actually look at the NAD reactions, there's a very, very good likelihood that some of them can't, that some of their bodies are demanding fuel. And no matter how much they eat, they first of all can't produce enough of the fuel and they're making the problem worse. So the people that you did the study with are medical experts. How are, how are you getting the word out to the medical community and how are you trying to advance this into a clinical trial? So I teamed up with Dr. Adrian Wenzel, an anaesthetist from Port Elizabeth, and Professor Guy Richards from uh, WITS. And we published the paper and it's been an uphill battle because everyone says to us, do you have a study? Do you have a, a human trial? And we say no. But... We have rational science. In fact, as we said, the South African Medical Journal has commented that we have rational science behind our theory. And no one has been able to give us rational science to say why it shouldn't work or why it's wrong. We also have the mouse study that confirmed absolutely everything we've been saying. So I think it's a case of science works that if you don't have a trial, an actual human trial, no one's interested. Now, there's been a lot of talk in South Africa that uh, our death rate relative to the number of cases is lower than elsewhere. Do you think that the fortification of our food with NAD maybe plays a role in this? Definitely. So we don't have audited data, but we started asking around and we started speaking to ICU doctors through our medical contacts, asking for the demographic of the people ending up in ICU. And it wasn't the low socioeconomic class. That's the one we would have expected, the people who've got nothing, who haven't got food, who haven't got money. It was middle class. And if you look at the people in the class that we expected to, to be the worst hit, they're eating half a loaf of bread and they're eating pup. They're eating heavily fortified foods. Whereas the, the class that ended up in ICU aren't. They're eating predominantly McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Some of them are eating healthy, but for the most part, they're actually not eating a healthy diet. Very interesting. So do you think that if we all start taking a vitamin B3 supplement and zinc that we could dramatically reduce our chances of getting very ill from COVID-19? I, I think so. We, we've, we've had a, we, so we've published a free protocol. We put out everything that you need to do to protect yourself. And we've had a lot of companies overseas actually implement it. And while it's anecdotal, there's a big car manufacturer who recommended that their staff all go on to it. They had no serious cases of covid in fact, I think the worst they had was a sniffle in the whole company. Um, we're on groups with long haulers where there's two to 3,000 people on those groups. As soon as they start adding nicotinic acid into their supplement, all the symptoms start to disappear. So while we don't have a formal study, we're pretty confident to say that if everyone started taking nicotinic acid and something like quercetin, we must probably would be heading towards warding off a second lockdown. This sounds incredible. So how much do you actually need a day? One tablet, two? Could you spell it out a bit? Prophylactically, 35 milligrams of nicotinic acid, which works out approximately 3 rand 50 for 90 days. And you can't mention the names of these companies that have been using your protocol? No, because they don't have formal data uh, on them, um, unfortunately. But if you, look at, if you look at what Guy Richards did, he actually published an ICU protocol where he recommended including nicotinic acid. 
into the protocol. A lot of ICUs picked up that protocol, and a lot of ICUs in South Africa have actually been using nicotinic acid, which isn't used in any of the other ICUs in the world. So even our ICUs were doing things differently. And if you read what Guy had to say about it, he's saying, while it's anecdotal, there definitely seemed to be an improvement when the nicotinic acid was induced. And he also called for a human trial. So that's what you're looking for next, because you think that this could actually make a dramatic difference to one of the world's biggest problems. Well, yeah, that would be ideal. But the beauty about nicotinic acid is if you go to any doctor or any medical professional and say, and say to them, do you have a problem with someone taking 35 milligrams of nicotinic acid a day? They're going to tell you no. It actually has a lot of benefits other than the discomfort of the flush. So we have a protocol that's not harmful. It's beneficial in any case. And we're saying to people, what have you got to lose? It's cheap. It's really, really cheap. And it's exceptionally effective. Who can't take it? Are there any risks for people? Like, for example, people with autoimmune diseases or only diseases? The only contraindication is certain types of cancer, um, where we would recommend people actually speak to their oncologist, not all cancers. Um, but what we've actually found is the dosage is low enough that most oncologists actually haven't been worried. Now, a lot of people, you you've been working on this with doctors, but your background isn't uh, a medical background. So I suppose some people would be wondering about the credibility of your research. So perhaps we could just talk through those details. So my background, as far as NAD goes, is biohacking, where a number of years ago, I got fascinated by NAD and what it does in the body. And I spent a lot of time actually studying it, studying all the reactions, all of the systems it's involved in. But the, the lack of medical qualifications actually meant people weren't taking me seriously with COVID, which is where I teamed up with two doctors. So that we have respected doctors. In fact, Guy is very respected. Um, also agreeing with everything. And just tell us a bit more about the kind of work you have done. Uh, you, you have a company that produces anti-poaching drones. So... A number of years ago, I founded a company that's now a major player in the commercial printing industry in the UK. And more recently, I spearheaded an anti-drone, anti-poaching drone project where we designed a new generation of uh, drone from scratch. So you're an entrepreneur and an inventor. Yeah, some people call me a tinker. Anything that's interesting, I sort of like to research and really throw myself at. And NAD and COVID was one of those things. And you also mentioned that you had some interest in the, the big diet fad of the moment. The ketogenic diet. When the ketogenic diet came out and there was the whole controversy, I wanted to know what was going on under the hood. And everyone was saying, some people were saying ketogenic diets are bad. Some people were saying they were good. And I was more interested in the fact that no one was really telling you what was going on. And that's where the link to NAD actually became firmly established, is that ketogenic diets alter the level or status of NAD in your body. In fact, they're the most effective way of boosting NAD. It's a good way to boost your NAD going on the ketogenic diet. Very, very good. I, I'm not arguing the merits or the, the cons of the actual diet, but as far as NAD levels go, it is the fastest way to boost your NAD levels. So is that why people lose weight quickly? It's, n it's not really about it's think, that chemical reaction. So NAD is also involved in fuel management. It's, it helps your body decide when it fuels and how much fuel it's taken in. 
And the whole ketogenic process is extremely fuel efficient compared to a carbohydrate-rich diet. Now, there's lots of people who don't necessarily do well on a ketogenic diet. But from a pure science side, when you look at the NAD reactions, a ketogenic diet is far more efficient. Really fascinating. Are you working on any other medical research reports? So we're dealing now at the moment with the long haulers, which we've, when we've taken all the symptoms, we've mapped them almost one-to-one to pellagra. So what we're trying to do is now to come up with tests that will let us, dis- uh, def- or let us ascertain how wide the subclinical pellagra problem actually is. Because uh, pellagra can cause depression, it can cause anxiety, it can cause bipolar disorders, it can cause schizophrenia. And when we look at a lot of the people who've got COVID, a lot of them are on antidepressants and on anti-anxiety medication. That's really interesting. You mean they happened to be on that anyway, and then they were more susceptible to COVID-19? So the question we're asking is, are they on it because they really, really have a problem with depression, or are they on it because they have low NAD+, which will hijack serotonin and cause depression? Before we close off, can you just tell us a bit more about your um, collaborators in this research project on COVID-19 and NAD deficiency? Yes. Um, so there's Dr. Adrian Wenzel. So Adrian is a well-known anaesthetist in the medical fraternity, and he's also someone who likes to understand what's going on and ask questions. So when I came to him with this, he was initially skeptical, but he's, he's got the sort of brain that wants to know more. And he went off and did his own research and then came back to me and said, wow, you've actually got something. Let's work on it. We then wrote an initial paper and we sent it through to Guy. We said to Guy, what do you think? And Guy came back and said, this is pretty impressive. What about this? What about that? So the collaboration made the paper what it was. All three of them, or sorry, all two of them, um, actually brought a lot of research in. So when that paper got peer-reviewed, you couldn't really argue with it. Yes, and so your research was published in a journal called Medical Hypotheses, published by Elsevier, which is quite a credible uh, producer of journal articles. It was, and there have been a a number of papers that have come out subsequent establishing the link between uh, COVID and NAD. And if you read the mouse paper that um, that came out recently, we were actually cited and we were one of the instigators or our paper was one of the instigators of the research. And just tell us a bit more, you know, there's some skepticism about whether research in animals can really help humans. Why are mice so interesting to us in the COVID-19 fight? So ideally, human trials are the holy grail, but there's ethics involved. When it comes to NAD, all mammals use it. It's, it's not one of these uh, molecules or systems that maybe humans use differently. All mammals use NAD. All mammals use Sirtune as a defense system. Sirtunes, Sirtunes are ancient. They're not something the body has developed recently. Um, in fact, if you look at how Sirtunes work from what we know, they was probably the reason why mammals have flourished as long as they have. So it could have been mice. It could have been cats. It could have been dogs. It could have been rats. It needed to be a mammal for the study. Thank you very much, Robert. That's been a very interesting conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to add that you think is worth mentioning for our community? Well, I really, really hope that the government starts listening to ideas like ours. They're very, very, it seems they're very, very quick to dismiss things and won't give you a reason why they dismiss them. I have actually submitted our paper to, local, to the Western Cape government and to national government and to national health departments. 
And I understand they get a lot of people coming up with suggestions. But the question we've got is when you have a suggestion that's based on rational science, surely you don't just discard it so quickly. They've just closed their doors to you. Yeah, totally disinterested. And we, we know everyone's waiting for a vaccine. We may wait a long time. If COVID is, is what we think it is and works the way we think it is, vaccines may not be as effective as we're hoping they will be. And just when you look at that population of people who have been uh, relying on fortified food, the, the incidence there of problems is much lower, isn't it, even though they haven't been able Very to low. adhere to social distancing? Um, we, we should have had the highest death toll in the world if we followed everyone else, and we didn't. We were way below what anyone predicted. And actually, given what we know and what um, Adrian, Guy, and myself have uncovered, the death toll in this country is too high. We're not saying we could have prevented everyone dying or protected everyone, but we're confident we could have actually protected a large percentage of those who died. Well, I hope somebody listens soon. I mean, at the very least, it, it, it seems worthy of further research. Definitely. And I think after this mouse study, we're going to start seeing more and more studies come out. And I just hope it's not going to be a case of people realize too late what we've got. Well, I'm definitely going to go down to the local pharmacy and grab some NAD and zinc. <laughs> yeah, make sure it's nicotinic acid and the flush version, not the non-flush version, because it's oh. only the flush version that works. So oh, quickly, that's if, we, if you would like yeah. to know why, there's mm. multiple pathways that the body can use to produce NAD. One of them is it actually salvages NAD from the processes. But if you run out of NAD, the question is, will your body try salvage what it doesn't have in the first place? The other pathway is tryptophan, and it goes tryptophan, and then it goes through a number of processes, goes nicotinic acid, and then it becomes NAD. So by injecting nicotinic acid, you preserve tryptophan, which means you have enough tryptophan to make serotonin, and you avoid all those nasty mental effects. So are you saying this doesn't come in tablet form? It does. It comes in... Okay. There's a few brands that actually have it, but you want to get something like a 35 milligram. A lot of companies try more is better. It isn't. And if you start taking 200 milligrams of nicotinic acid, it is unpleasant. So can you give some names there that we can suggest to um, our audience? Solgar make one. Solal make one. I think Methogenics have one as well. And zinc, how, how, when should you take all of these for optimum results? Are there any times to take them with food or... Uh, preferably with food. Food helps to reduce the nicotinic acid flush. Um, what we did is we actually produced a supplement called Certune Plus, only because people started coming back to us and saying they can't find all of this at the health stores. But we, we, we say to people, just it's easier just to go to your local health shop and try find it. In fact, if you want, I can send you a list of everything they should be taking after this. Okay, that's brilliant. So in other words, you do have a product, but you're not selling it. We have a product that was mainly aimed at medical professionals and nurses, frontline uh, nurses and doctors. Um, we kept it really, really cheap. It, it retails at 395 rand because a lot of the nurses can't afford more. So we, we literally produced it at cost. But we have limited stocks of it. So we, don't, we generally don't uh, advertise it or push it. We rather say to people, here's the list. If you can afford it, go to your local shop and this is what you need to take. So do you think that reduces the credibility of your research? Do you think people think, well, you, you, you're just sort of looking for a way to justify your product? I'm just playing devil's advocate here. No, because we, someone tried that and they said to us, well, you've got a conflict of interest. We said, no, we've given you everything you need to take. We've told you what you need to take. Here it is. It's free. 
it's only the people who are battling to find nicotinic acid and quercetine and other health supplements that can come to us and say, right, we can't find it. We're saying, okay, we've got, we've got something for you, but we're not pushing it. We're not saying you have to buy it from us. We're not even saying buy it from us. We're saying, this is what you need to take. Go to your local, local health store. And this is, is what you get off the shelf. So okay. I think, I think if we were saying we've got a supplement, you can only get it from us. We're not telling you what's in it. Definitely conflict of interest. Anyone who wants to know, we will give the formula away quite happily. And that brings to a close your Inside COVID-19 podcast. Until next time. This conversation on COVID-19 is made possible by Discovery.